You're listening to the Community Church in Orange podcast. We hope you enjoy today's episode. I, uh, uh, I'm, I, I just, I'm going to begin a series this morning um, entitled In It to Win It. I just sense a weariness that's kind of sweeping over our nation. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen. The, uh, with all of the things, you know, it seemed like COVID had gone away and then now all of a sudden it's kind of exploding back onto the scene and at the front of the news. And then you see like in Af- Afghanistan and all the terrible things that are occurring in the world today that, you know, when we get our eyes upon life in general and we get our eyes off of Jesus, you'll sense that there can be a time and a moment where weariness can begin to overtake you. And uh, in North Texas, in the... I'm, our, our church is an Assembly of God church. We're part of the South Texas district. In North Texas, they've begun to really emphasize the necessity for pastors to take a sabbatical every four to seven years. And there's a reason because of all the burden and the concern. And some people think, well, well, that's just a vacation. No. Until you walk in these shoes, you just don't really understand the difficulty associated with it. Because I will tell you this, if you do this for a job, you're crazy. <laughs> there's a lot better jobs out there. You do this because it's a calling. Amen? Amen. And, and just as much as, as weariness can overwhelm pastors, the truth is the enemy's plan and purpose is to try to get all of us into a scenario and a situation where we get weary and we'll begin to make decisions that can derail the will and the purpose of God for our lives. I, I'll tell you this, that the, the truth is this morning, one wrong choice can lead you down a wrong path of destruction. And I want to encourage you this morning, I felt led of the Lord to begin this series over the next several weeks uh, about trying to deal with the issue of getting your, your eyes back on Jesus. Here's the truth. Church, we're in it to win it. Amen. I, I don't know about you, but I saw the end of the book, and the end of the book says we're going to win. Amen. Jesus is coming back for not a dead, broken down religious machine. He's coming back for a victorious church because he made a promise that he would build his church and the gates of hell would never prevail. So no matter how you feel, no matter what it seems like in the world, I can tell you this, the kingdom of God is advancing and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is victorious today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So this is in it to win it. This first part is called Dig Deep. And I'm going to read to you from James chapter 1, verse 2. It says this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I just thank you for your presence in the house today. Thank you for the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit in the worship this morning. God, for the liberty, hallelujah, in this place that I sense even now, the liberty and the freedom that your Spirit brings. And I pray this morning, Lord, if there are those that have walked through the doors discouraged, defeated, depressed, Lord, weary in their soul and spirit, Lord, God, as you said in your word, if we are burdened and heavy laden, we can lay that yoke at your feet and you Your burden is light. Hallelujah today. I pray in Jesus' name that burdens would lift off the hearts of people and there would be a joy and a rejoicing as we we move in this house. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, life is a fight. It seemed like when I was younger, I didn't have to fight a lot of things because, 
You know, when you're young and you're full of energy and zeal, it just kind of seems like, you know what? If I'm tired, I can just make it happen because I'll just press through. But as you get older, that energy and that zeal is not there. Amen. Come on, older folks. Say amen. You bunch of old people. I'm getting my fence replaced. This week will be one year since Hurricane Laura hit, and I've decided it's time to go ahead and fix my fence. Amen. And uh, I, I, I hired uh, Brother Clifford and Richard Landers. They're out there digging away on them post holes and mixing concrete in the heat. And you know what? I thought, well, I'm going to help them a little bit and moving around some 80-pound bags of, of cement and helping them. And last night I was like, man, I am really hurting. You know, I don't know how you guys do it. I think there's something different about that other generation. I don't know what it is, but, you know, maybe they're just tougher than us sissy boys. Come on. Yeah, I'm wearing pink. So what? <laughs> Amen. Real men wear pink. Right, Terry? Amen. It seemed like when, you were, when I was younger that though life was a fight, there was a zeal in me to, that I was a, a bulldog, I'm going to fight through it. And, you know, as you get older and you experience life, you experience failures in life, you experience difficulties in life, here is the truth. If you have quit in you, life will find it in you. Life is a fight. It's a fight to get out of the bed. Somebody say amen. amen. This morning, I, I can tell you, Friday morning, I woke up at 6.30. It's supposed to be my day off, and I woke up at 6.30, and I don't even know why. I think it's because I'm getting older, folks. You know what I'm talking about? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how, how late you think you're going to sleep. You're going to wake up because you have an internal alarm clock. But on Sunday mornings, I think the sleep devil shows up. He says, sleep, just stay in the bed. And I told Leslie this morning, I really think I could sleep all day today, you know. So life is a fight. It's a fight to press forward. It's a fight to get up. There are fights in your life. And if the enemy can find quit in you in any place, in any position, you can be assured of this. He is prodding your life. He is looking for places. He is looking for scenarios and situations to get you to a position where you are so weary, your eyes are off the one who really bought you, and your eyes eyes are off of the reality that you will be victorious in the name of Jesus and get your eyes on the situation and get your eyes on the physical reality that you are weary and tired. I can tell you today, somebody needs to make a choice that you're going to press forward regardless of how you feel. Life is a fight. And there are difficulties that you will go through, and there are times that you're going to have to make a decision that even when I don't feel like it, I'm still going to press forward into the kingdom of God. You know, if people would get the same unction and desire to press forward into the things of God as they do to go to work on Monday morning, we would see a lot more growth in the kingdom of God. Because I don't know about you, but I never got up on Monday morning went going, zippity-doo-dah, I get to go to work. Now, some of you maybe, I don't know, uh, you're strange if you do. Stephen does, amen. And that's why we got you the mug, brother, amen. <laughs> I'm glad he said that. I'll be off Monday, you got it. So. <laughs> the battles of life will prove the heart of an individual, and you can write this down, it is easier to quit than to commit. It's easier to give up and to walk away than to commit yourself that 
through the good times and the bad times, through the ups and the downs, through the trials and the joys, I'm going to press forward into the kingdom of God. And I will tell you this, you're going to have to dig deep into your own self and say, Lord, I am willing to stand the test. I am willing to go forward regardless of how weary I am, regardless of what's going on in the world around me. I'm going to get a bulldog tenacity that I'm going to hang on and I'm going to press forward and I will not quit and I will not give up. Come on, somebody should shout amen to that. You have to get that in your spirit and your heart. And I will tell you that I think that in the days that we are in right now, and as the days progress, there will be greater difficulties come upon the earth. I, I, I am convinced that, that the world we knew of how, you know, we have a tendency to, to venerate the past. And you're thinking like, you know, how great, how easy life was in the 70s. You know, I was a child in the 70s. I was a really young child in the 70s. In the 80s, I was a teenager. In the 90s, I was in my 20s. And then you get into the 2000s, and then now we're in the 2020, and I'm, I've passed the 50 mark, and I'm still looking good for half a century old. Amen. Have a tendency to venerate the past and thinking, well, life was easier. I will tell you what it was. It wasn't that life was easier. We knew a little bit less in those days. Now we are so bombarded with knowledge. We are so bombarded with news in an instant. It's on your phone. It's on your computer. Just instantly you got all the knowledge of all the difficulties. And it seems that it has progressed. In reality, it hasn't progressed the darkness. The darkness was always there. You just wasn't necessarily aware of it. Now you are a little bit more aware of the difficulties that are going on in the world. You are a little bit more aware of how exponential things are going on. And in truth, America has been blessed for all these years to have peace, security, and comfort. And then you find difficulty comes to our shores, and it will prove the heart of America. I thank God for the greatest generation that fought through World War II, that in those difficulties, in those times of, of survival and, and struggle and giving to this nation, the truth is, we are the, where we are because of great men and women of the past that stood through the test and the trials and saw life through. Amen. I want to have a heart and a spirit that is saying, Lord, no matter what tomorrow holds, no matter the difficulty, no matter the darkness, hallelujah, I know today that you are my king, you are on the throne, and regardless of what my life circumstances are right now, hallelujah, I am victorious in Jesus, amen. I'm here this morning to encourage you. I'm here this morning to build you up. I'm here this morning to get you off your duff of depression and your place of position of a pity party. You know what a pity party is? A pity party is a party of one. A pity party is a party of one where it's poor me, poor little old me. Nobody understands my situation. I'm going through trials and difficulty. Poor me. Let me tell you, I don't believe that Jesus is there in the midst of that. I believe God wants you to get out of that position in that place because the enemy of your soul and your spirit is trying to place strongholds of depression and darkness over your mind. You need to rebuke anxiety. You need to rebuke depression. You need to get the joy of the Lord that is your strength so that you can stand in the days that you are in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Richard and Clifford were out there working on that fence. 
And I was like, dear Jesus, it's hot out here. I'm going back inside. <laughs> I don't know how they do that. In 1 Samuel chapter 27, we're given this scenario of, of this individual David. If you know of David, King David. In, in 1 Samuel 27, I'm going to talk about David because I think that in these chapters in 1 Samuel, we really see somebody that went through turmoil and difficulty and how they operated through it. In 1 Samuel 27, it's in verse 1, it says, And David said in his heart, Now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. And Saul would despair of me to seek me any more in part of Israel, so I shall escape out of his hand. Then David arose and went over, the six, uh, went over with the 600 men who were with him to Achish, son of Merak, king of Gath. So David dwelt with Achish at Gath, and he and his men, each man with his household, and David with his two wives. Uh, uh, I'm just going to skip their name. Verse 4. And it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath, so he sought him no more. Then David said to Achish, if I have now found favor in your eyes, let them give to me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? So Achish gave him Ziklag that day. Therefore, Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. Now the time of David, the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was one full year and four months. If you know the account of David, David was anointed as a young man by Samuel the prophet to become king over Israel. They believed that it was about 13 years from the time that he was anointed till the time that he became actually the king. And, and if you know the story of David as he slayed Goliath and he went and he began to live in the household with Saul and then finally Saul in his jealousy and he had a spirit over him that he began to chase David and, and David, so as a result, David began to live in caves. He was fearful of his life. He was on the run. It was a very difficult and dark time for David. I want you to get this. This young man was anointed by God to lead the children of Israel. But between the moment that he was called and anointed by God till the moment he sat on the throne, there was great trial and difficulty in his life. Matter of fact, it was so bad that Saul wanted to kill him. He was so fearful that he decided that he was going to leave Israel and go and to live with the Philistines. You see, David thought maybe it would be easier if he got out of Israel and he went to a place, and I want you to get this, these Philistines were the enemies of Israel. David left his own people that he was called by God to lead, anointed by the prophet to lead. He left his own people and he went to the Philistines. And not only did he go to the Philistines, he fought with the Philistines against his own people. As a result of him going and serving the king of the Philistines, he was given the city Ziklag and he had 600 men with him. And you know, I was thinking about this morning, that would be great to have a church of 600. My, I, I'm just praying, Lord, build this church up to 600. Let's see. I, I could imagine leading 600 men. And you know, as I was thinking about that, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Before this, he had 400 men. Before that, he had less men. And, 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 and you see the progress in the life of David that as he was obedient to the Lord, faithful to God, the Lord placed people around him that worked with him. They were warriors. They were mighty men of God. But I will tell you that these men that were with David weren't all that is cracked up to be. They're not necessarily the ones you would want fighting with you because it tells us a description of them in 1 Samuel chapter 22. And it says everyone who was, it is the men that were with him, 
And everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontented gathered to him, so he became captain over them. That's a really good group of people, amen. They were, they were in distress, they were in debt, they were discontented. I'll tell you what, I've pastored that church, hallelujah. These aren't the, the ones you'd say, you know what, I want these prime people. You know, they're wealthy, they've got everything worked out, they, they're mighty valor, men of valor, they're warriors. But no, God placed men of distress and debt and discontentment in the life of David. Why? Because the truth is God was not only working in the lives of David, he's working in the lives of the men that David was leading. And so... David was given Ziglag in accordance with the, the king's order, and the result of that is that these 600 men who were warriors, they were with David, they, they began to even fight against Israel. I will tell you this, Satan does not want you to find your calling. Satan wants you to give up and to walk away. He wants you to get weary. David was anointed to, to serve God and to do the will of God. And I will tell you, I don't believe it was the will of God for David to go live with the Philistines. You may not agree with that. But I don't believe that it was God's will for David to leave Israel and to go live with the Philistines. You know, it's easy for me to say that because I don't have a Saul chasing me. I'm not living in a cave. I'm not on the run. I don't have to worry about somebody killing me at night. Thank God I can lay my head down at night in the bed, and I don't have to worry about my, my wife knifing me or something. Amen. She's shaking her head at me. I'll hear about that one later. <laughs> The enemy of your soul and your life and your calling will chase you. He will pursue you. He will try to bring fear into your life. He will use every scenario and situation to get you to walk away from the will and the purpose of God. Jeremiah 17, 9 says this, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind, even to give every man according to his way. Notice this, according to the fruit of his doing. You know, God is so good that he loves you so much that he will allow difficulties and scenarios and situations in your life to prove what's in you. Years ago, I've shared this before, years ago, I preached a funeral for a man that his own family didn't like him. His children didn't want anything to do with him. He was just, in the West Texas, he was, he was mean as a snake is what we would have said. And he really was. Matter of fact, I sat down with him. I, he was a World War II veteran, and, and I sat down and talked with him. And back in those days when I was pastoring in that city, I was bivocational. I would paint and do all. I was sunburned and tanned, and my hands were all calloused up. Now I've got these sissy hands. I can't even get out there and help him build a fence. You know what I'm talking about? And, and, and this man, I went and sat down with him, and I would visit with him. And he finally told me, he said, you know, I don't like pastors because most pastors are lazy. That was his view. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but this pastor ain't lazy. <laughs> and, and he said, you know, but you're different because you got calluses on your hands, you work. And anyway, the result of that, I built a rapport with this man, and I found out about this man that when he was in World War II, he was in the foxhole, and there was a man that was shot out on the battlefield, and he was yelling and crying out for help. And under fire, this is incredible, under fire from the enemy, 
That man left his foxhole, crawled out there, grabbed that man, and pulled him back into the foxhole. As a result of that, he himself was shot and wounded. He received a purple heart. And I, and I use that in preaching his funeral because I'll tell you what I believe. Real character is proven in difficult times. What is in you will really come out when you're in a stressful and difficult moment. David was in a situation where he had to have a decision, and he had to make a decision. And I, as I said, I don't think it was God's will for him to leave where he was, but I believe that God used that scenario to shape David, to work in David, and not only David, the men that were following David. Here is the truth. Weariness can cause us to make bad decisions, and we end up in the enemy's camp. How many times have people gotten to a scenario in their life where they're, they're weary, they're exhausted, they're tired, they want to quit, and, 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 and they think in their mind, if I, maybe if I go somewhere else, it will be better. I will tell you this, there is no place better than walking with Jesus. When people come out of the world and walk away from darkness, what you'll find is the enemy will begin to lie to you. He will venerate the world that you had in the past. I've heard people say, well, you know, people in the bar are better than people in the church because they'll give you the shirt off the back. That is a lie from the pits of hell. That's not truth, and if you've spoken that, you've spoken a lie. Because there are wonderful people in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that love and give and support and work and do the work of the ministry and pray for people and concern for people. Is there camaraderie and fellowship in the bar? Absolutely. And if anybody tells you otherwise, they don't know what they're talking about. There is a friendship and a camaraderie that's there in the bar. And what will, you will happen is you'll find is the enemy of our, whole, our spirit, he'll begin to tell you, you know what? It was a little easier when you were over here because, you know, you didn't have to fight no battles. I'm going to tell you, when we leave what we have right now and we walk back into that world, you are walking not back into a place of joy and peace. You're walking back into a prison. You know, in prison, they have a, 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 a cell where they lock them up and nobody can talk to them. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They put them in, a, I can't remember the term. Anybody help me? There you go. So solitary confinement isn't peace. What they do is they think it's better to, to leave where God's brought them because the enemy keeps fighting them, keeps fighting them. And as a result of that, they just say, well, you know what? I just give up. I think I'll just go back to where I was because it was a lot easier there. Here's the thing I heard many years ago. You can't soar with eagles when you fly with buzzards. And when we walk away from where God wants us, we will lead others to that place as well. David had 600 men that were following his godly leadership. 600 men, and not only the men, but their families. You know this, that our choices don't just affect us. Come on, amen. The choices I have, I make, will impact people around me, will impact my family. And David, I believe, made a wrong choice and led 600 men out of the place of God's people and into the land of the enemy. You see, what happens is we give up the fight because we're weary, and as a result of that, we lead others to positions and places where the enemy can cause them to stumble. You say, Pastor Thurman, how? That's not right, because you know what? I'm just trying to make it through this, this, this life and do this. You, you can write this down. You are called by God whether you believe it or not. 
The Bible tells me that we are a kingdom of priests to the Lord. That means that every believer, every person that's been washed in the blood, anybody in the house been washed in the blood of the Lamb, amen. If you've ever been touched by Jesus, if you've been born again, then the truth is you have been called to fulfill and live out Matthew 28. Anybody know what Matthew 28 says? It says to go into all the world and make disciples. Every believer that's been born again, washed in the blood, you have a responsibility and a call and an anointing by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You have been given a commission in the kingdom of God to take what Jesus done in your life and to present it into the lives of other people. But instead of doing that, what we have is we have a generation of believers that are so caught up in maintaining their own walk, they never lead anybody else to Jesus. They're so busy just trying to make it from day to day that they never themselves lead anybody into the kingdom of God. You know what they do? The tragedy of the modern American church is we have made that the responsibility of the professional pastoral and the pastoral staff. Sheep birth Come on, y'all can do it louder than that. Sheep birth. That's right. So David, thinking that he was going away from, from, from a difficult situation, what he was really doing is what we used to say back in the day. He was jumping out of the frying pan and into the fire. You need to know this. Don't let Satan rob you and rob others of what God has called you to. He will steal the plan, the purpose, and the will of God for your life if you are willing to surrender it. You don't belong in the enemy's camp. In 1 Samuel chapter 29, verse 3, it says this, And the princes of the Philistines said, What are these Hebrews doing here? And Achaz said to the princes of the Philistines, Is this not David, the servant of Saul, of, uh, of Saul, king of Israel, who has been with me these days or these years? And to this day I have found no fault in him since he has defected to me. Then Achish called David and said to him, Surely as the Lord lives, you have been upright, and you're going out, and you're coming in with me in the army. It is good in, is good in my sight. For to this day I have not found evil in you since the day of your coming to me. Nevertheless, the lords do not favor you. Therefore, return now and go in peace that you may not displease the lords of the Philistines. So David said to Achish, But what have I done? So David leaves Israel. He's on the run from Saul. He thinks he's going into a better place and a better position. He got so deceived. I'm going to get you this. You need to hear this. His mind got so twisted, he believed that he should stand shoulder to shoulder with the Philistines against Israel. The enemy of your soul is working in a position and a place right now to get you and I to walk away from the kingdom of God. He wants to hurt you. You know the enemy will use people to hurt you? Come on, amen. I've heard people say, well, the church is the only ones that will kick their own when they're down. That's not true. The world does that. You don't believe it's true? They call it cancel culture. You know, it wasn't too long ago. Uh, Governor Cuomo in New York was the best thing since last bed. But they gave him a Grammy or something, you know? I, I don't remember what it was exactly. They gave him some award. I'm surprised they didn't give him the Nobel Peace Award. Now, they crucifying him. You say the, the world's the only, the, the church only want to kick their only, no. The, the enemy of your soul is the one that will kick you when you're down. True believers will lift you up. True believers will love you. You don't belong in the world. You belong in the kingdom of God. 
David had gotten so twisted that he thought doing the right thing was because if you notice, Achish said this, David has defected to me. He had left his, uh, I don't know the term, he had left his desire and love for Israel to now standing shoulder to shoulder with the armies that were in contradiction to the people of God. So many times we believe that leaving in the answer, but the reality, leaving is not peace. It's getting you out of the will of God. I have seen people hurt in church, walk away, and begin to hate believers. I've seen people get bitter. I've seen people get scenarios where somebody said something, somebody did something, some pastor did something. I'll tell you this, if Satan can find a place of offense in you, he will find that place in you. The truth is, people will hurt you. People will say and do things that are hurtful. There are going to be times that what they'll do is, it's kind of like Satan puts a little frosting on the things that they say. You know what I mean by that? Frosting is really good. It makes it a little better. I don't know about you, but I don't like cake without frosting. Come on. I don't know why anybody would eat cake without frosting. If you do, it's called a muffin. (laughs) That's the truth. We think that leaving's the answer, but reality, leaving is leaving the will of God. You can run, you can run, you can leave, you can run from God, but what you will find yourself is you'll be at odds with God and God's will. You know, I've seen scenarios where people that were really in love with Jesus, on fire for God, situations and circumstances in their life happened through through the church and things. I've seen where churches have divided and then people walk away from Jesus. You know, anybody remember when Jimmy Swaggart fell? Y'all remember that? How many people walked away from the Lord during that time? I will tell you what they were. They weren't following Jesus. They were following a man. Men will fail you. God will never fail you. Satan is sly. He is scheming. He is actually working in opposition against the people of God and the will of God. And he is working overtime right now to get you to a place where you don't believe that God's church doesn't care for you. I've had people, I had a person not too long ago tell me, you know, I haven't uh, been to church in two weeks and nobody called me. Well, you never called me when I was missing. Amen, Pastor Thurman. (laughs) I've had people offended about things like that, little things. You know, it's kind of hard to keep up with everything. You know, the people in this church, I still don't know your name. (laughs) You know what, you need to come introduce yourself to me like 50 times and then I'll get it. I asked this person, I said, did you join a small group? Well, no. How do you expect us to keep up with you if you're not willing to come and connect yourself to us? Come on, amen. That's good preaching. Why am I saying that? Because I'm so bitter? No, I'm saying that because Satan will get you to a place of offense and you'll think that, well, we really don't care about you. We love you. Doesn't mean that we can service you in every capacity at all times. You are either here in commitment to the will and the purpose of God, or you are here because of the amenities. Woo, that's good preaching. You know, I'd take that job if they only provided better vacation. 
I'd take that job if it had better insurance. You know what? I'm not going to stay at this hotel because they don't provide breakfast in the morning. We are the, the America. We believe in amenities. Amen. And I'll tell you, there is kind of a, a competition among churches now where we have to provide amenities to get people in the house. Either you are committed to Jesus and the kingdom of God, or you're not. I believe you are because you're here. We got ugly concrete glue. As I keep saying, it's called urban renewal. <laughs> About the time we get this all fixed, everybody's going to strip their carpet off and go, that's, that's popular, you know? <laughs> you cannot stand with the world against the church and be in the right place. Years ago, I, I struggled with so many times I would struggle with being a part of the symbols of God. I would, I had this, you know, I've heard, had people tell me, you know, well, all they care about is your money or, or all they care about is this and that. And so I, I had to come to, I, I'm telling you this, the Lord brought me to a position in a place in my life. He said, Lloyd, either get in or get out. If you're going to be in the assemblies of God, be in the assemblies of God. If you don't like it and you don't agree with it, then get out and move on and do something else. So many times in our lives, we are in opposition to what we think, well, it, this doesn't fit my need, or this isn't the way I think should be or shouldn't be done. Well, I would invite you to come and be the pastor. <laughs> One thing I learned a long time ago, <laughs> if you want to make people happy, sell ice cream. Don't be a pastor. <laughs> Amen. Ice cream makes people happy. Makes me happy. I'd shout a little bit. Amen. Get a revival up in here. David, I think, started feeling a little bit rejected. He had not only felt rejected from Saul, you know, but in the back of his mind, can you imagine when he was 17 and he got anointed as king? You know what 17-year-olds do? I imagine he's walking around like, yeah. Hey, girl, I'm going to be king one day. How you doing? <laughs> Samuel didn't anoint you. He anointed this head. Hallelujah. You know, God's so good, he won't allow us to live in that pride. So David had this probably glorious, incredible moment of God's calling and anointing in his life, only to find that through that situation, there is difficulty upon difficulty. He was rejected by Saul. He felt alone. He was fearful. He runs to the Philistines. You know what? I figure I can go over there. At least they accept me. And now they're about to go into battle with Israel. And the Philistine, uh, the other Philistine uh, leaders were like, no, we're not going to have David standing side by side. And David's like, you know, what are you talking about? As I read it earlier, he said this. He said, um, but what have I done? He probably felt a little bit rejected. He found that he's like, I can't live in the church and I can't live in the world. You know what? Nobody likes me. You ever been there? Nobody likes me. Nobody understands what I'm going through. As I said earlier, you do not belong in this world. You were born again, not of this world, but of the kingdom of God. This world is not your home. David thought life in the Philistines' camp would be smoother, but the truth is you cannot run from the will of God and the purpose of God that will put you in the midst of trials to prove what's in your heart. Jeremiah said it that way as I read earlier. The heart is deceitful and nobody knows it but God. 
I've seen in times, even in my own personal life, where I believed that maybe I had a right motivation. I was doing something out of, maybe I thought this is the right motivation, only to find out that it really wasn't right motivation for the will and the glory of God, that the Lord by His Spirit was trying to show me just how dark my own heart was. Come on, amen. I know some of y'all are sanctified and you don't ever feel that in, in your life. You're holy. I'm just being honest with you. That God's working on me, he's working on you, he's trying to change us, he's trying to build us. Jesus said it this way, when I return to the earth, will I find faith? If there was ever a moment that you needed faith, it is right now, hallelujah. Vaccine or no vaccine, you can live and you can die, we don't know. But I do know this, Jesus is on the throne, he's in control of my life, I've surrendered all that I am, and so today I'm not going to get weary about what's going on around me, I'm not going to worry about what might or might not happen, I am just going to rest in the reality that he is my king and this world's not my home. Yesterday we did the funeral for, for uh, Sam Trevino. I'm telling you, it, Kelly told me, she said, listen, we're going to have you going to speak. I got another preacher that's going to speak and another preacher that's going to speak. And then we've got some of the families going to speak, but we want to get it done in an hour. I said, first of all, you got one preacher to speak. You ain't getting it done in an hour. <laughs> Not me. It's these other guys, you know. We did... You know, we prayed, we did, started playing worship. I'm telling you, the presence of Jesus came into that place. I was ready to preach. Like, give me that microphone. Let's go. Come on. It was beautiful. It was incredible. You know why? She said, we're going to celebrate Sam's life. And what was awesome to me was that Sam's son got up in the pulpit and he preached. And I'm telling you, that young man put the gospel out there. It was awesome. It was powerful. And then the, uh, the pastor that closed with the altar call, he said, I remember when Sam was in my church and we were praying for that boy. Hallelujah. That boy was standing there as a result of the prayers of his father. What a way to celebrate the life of a man. There was a legacy standing in the pulpit. Why? Because Sam said, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to back up. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep believing. And Satan kept coming. Satan keeps coming. Some of you need to get a hold of this word today and understand this, that the prayers you are praying for your family, God is answering them. Hallelujah. The danger is we start feeling rejected and we start listening to the lies of hell that tell you, listen, God's people don't love you. God's people aren't concerned about you. Matter of fact, God doesn't really love you. Let me give you some answers to weariness. You're going to have to dig down deep. 1 Samuel 30, it says, so now this is after They've been rejected by the Philistine lords, and they said, listen, they can't fight with us. So David decides, you know what, boys? We hitch up the horses. We're going home. Chapter 30, verse 1. Now it happened when David and the men came to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south of Ziglag and attacked Ziglag, burned it with fire. Had taken captive women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and it was there. It was burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. And David and the people with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, I'm skipping their names again, verse 6. And David was greatly distressed 
For the people spoke of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, even man for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. And David said to Abathar the priest, Amalek's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? Overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall overtake them, and without fail recover all. So now he's gone from leaving Israel, standing shoulder to shoulder with the enemy, and he gets home. There's no place like home, amen? Can you imagine after feeling the rejection and doing all the, no doubt, probably exhausted and the journey and all this, and he gets home, and his house is burned down. Not only is his house burned down, but everything he owned is gone. And, it, and what's really most precious to him, his wives, his family are gone, and not only his but all the men that are with him. David's got a lot of pressure on his shoulders, folks. He's got a lot of difficulties in a moment because it's one thing to lose your own family, but guess what? The people you love, the people you leave, the people that you're trying to build the best in them, they decide, you know what? It's time to get stoned. <laughs> it's time to kill David. David really is the one to be blamed in this, and David had a choice. How would he respond to the pressure? How would he deal with the scenario of difficulty? I can tell you, I've never faced difficulty like this. I believe that great trials produce great leaders. To the, to the degree of the trials and the difficulty you face in your life will determine the degree that God will use you. So here is the Bible says it. James said it this way, count it all joy. You know what? When you're going through difficulty, you said, say, hallelujah. Uh, you don't, nobody's getting that one. When I can't pay the car note, hallelujah. <laughs> when I got a doctor's diagnosis, hallelujah. Why? Why should I count it all joy? Because I can tell you, difficulty not only proves you, but it proves the faithfulness of God. Hallelujah. David's in a scenario, he's in a difficult moment. Romans 8, 28 should be a scripture that you lock on to and you never let go. You should hang on to Romans 8, 28. Everybody say Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for the good of them that love God and to them that are called according to his purpose. He didn't say some things. He didn't say if things. <laughs> He didn't say possibly all things. The Bible tells me that all things work together for the good. Pastor Thurman, well, you don't know what I've been through because this happened and, and, and you know, I thought it was going to all work out and everything would be perfect. When I was 20 years old, my mother died. I grew up with a father that was a hardcore alcoholic, and, and as a result of that, the abuse that was in my home was horrific. I grew up in that scenario, in that world, and my mother died when I was 20. At 16, I moved out of the house and worked two jobs just to take care of myself. I can't tell you how many nights that I had to cook my own meal if there was food in the house. I can't tell you how many times I had to go without water and, and go without electricity and be a laughingstock of kids in my school because of my clothes. I remember having a wood-burning stove as the only heat we had, and I would go to school smelling like smoke, and they started calling me Smokey. 
They said, what are you wearing? Liquid smoke for cologne? <laughs> Difficulty. My mother married another alcoholic who was even worse than my own dad. My mother died at 20. Then my dad died at 22. God, why? Why should I have to go through that? Because, you know, I've got friends that even to this day, their parents are still alive. Their life was good. They had cars when they were growing up. Their parents bought them clothes. They made sure that they were fed. I can tell you this, those trials were hard and difficult, but they have made me to a man that knows this. I'm not afraid to work for anything, and I know this, God will be my source always. How could that work to my good? It makes me appreciate where I am right now. You say, Pastor Thurman, but your mother died. My mother died a believer. I wouldn't want her to be here. <laughs> She's in the presence of Jesus. My dad, I led him to Jesus on his deathbed. I wouldn't want him to come back to this mess of a world. He's in the presence of peace. He's in the presence of joy. Hallelujah. What does death hold on the believer? The Bible says you should cry at a birth and rejoice at a death. Why? Because we know this. This is not life. Hallelujah. Life is yet to be revealed. That abundant life in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. David was in a dire situation. He was not only faced with the loss of his own family, he was faced with people that wanted him dead. The word distressed, it says he was distressed. It means to be pressed, to be in a narrow straits. Literally, I would put it in East Texas or Southeast Texas vernacular, David was between a rock and a hard place. What was he going to do? You know, I, I, I wouldn't doubt that his flesh said, run. His flesh, no doubt, probably said, you know what? You need to get out of this situation. You need to get away from these guys. They're going to kill him. But David did something a little different than what we would think. The Bible says, David strengthened himself in the Lord. The word strengthened is chazak in the Hebrew. It means to fasten upon, hence to seize, to be strong. You know what he did? He grabbed a hold of the God that he knew. You remember when David was a young man, and there was a giant? Y'all remember, he, I think he was a Philistine, wasn't he? Am I right? Think about that for a moment. A Philistine standing out on the field, decrying the children of God, the people of God, railing upon the God himself. And David said, who is this dog? Who is he to dare defy the armies of the living God? Now, David, listen, you're just a kid. You don't know what you're talking about. Thank God for kids that have the bravery to stand up when men won't. He said, I've, seen the, I've slain the bear, I've slain the lion, and this giant is nothing. I can tell you what I believe. It was in this moment that the real giant of his heart was he was facing. You could face a physical giant, but the greater giant that you and I face today, you need to hear this, the greatest giant that you face today is unbelief. Fear is rooted in unbelief. You say, Pastor Thurman, well, I'm not a fool. I'm not going to go stand in front of a truck. Nobody asked you to stand in front of a truck. But here is the truth. Today, you could have died on the way here. Did you get up and go, man, I may, uh, I'm not sure if I should drive to church because I might die. 
Some of us in our lives, we have been so, I'm just preaching to you. (laughs) We've been so caught up in fear and bound by what's going on around us, we've lost sight of the reality that we've stood before giants before. Anybody stood before giants in your life? God ever fail you? I believe it was in this moment that David seized, he strengthened himself in the Lord. What he did was, he remembered who he served. You see, he was trying to run from difficulty. Y'all getting this? I hope y'all are getting it. He was trying to get away from the fire, and he found him in a greater fire. Not only was it Saul wanted to kill him, but the people he loved and led wanted to kill him. And the giant that he had to really face was the giant of his own heart. If he was going to lead the people of Israel, if he was going to be the man that God called him to be, he was going to have to confront unbelief in his own life. You want your children to walk with Jesus? Have you confronted the conditions of your own heart and your own life? I've seen people there, you know, they have this idea that they, if they just drop their kids off at children's church and, and youth group, they're going to be saved and walking with Jesus. You know what? That, that's tr- they'll be touched by God. But here's the truth. You're the one that should be influencing them for the kingdom of God. You set the tone at home. David had to strengthen himself in the Lord. He had to fasten upon, grab a hold of, that Yahweh is the name of the Lord, is a strong tower, and the righteous run to them, and they are saved. Come on, somebody should shout, hallelujah. Not only did he strengthen himself in the Lord, then he did something else. The Bible says he called for the priest, and the, and the, I think it was the ephod, which was a place where they began to consult God, what should we do? You know how many times that we have a tendency that when we are in difficult moments, and consult, instead of consulting God, we consult everybody else? You know, the Holy Spirit, you are a child of God. Anybody a child of God? Hey, it's easy to hear, hear, hear the Father say, stop it. You know, it's amazing as you're growing up and, you know, as a kid, your mom would say, you know, your name, Lloyd, Lloyd, Lloyd Terrell Thurman. Yes, (laughs) ma'am? Yeah, my middle name's Terrell. What about it? Some people say it's Terrell. It's not. It's Terrell. I'm from West Texas. (laughs) It's easy to hear when we're in trouble. Maybe you need to hear the Father saying to you today, I've made you. I put you in this situation because I love you so much. I want more for your life. Well, thank you, God, that I'm going through trials. The truth is, your life, people are watching it. Somebody's watching your life. Bill, the men that work for you, they're watching your life. Come on. Your family. You say you're a believer, walk as a believer. So David inquired of the Lord. He began to ask God, and the result of that was, he said, listen, you go after it, and not only are you going to go after them and overtake them, but guess what? You're getting everything back. You're going to recover everything. You see, when it seems like we've lost everything that we have, we are faced with the reality of what's really in our heart. 
If quit is in your heart, if give up's in your heart, then you will quit and you will try to walk away. But God loves you so much. You think you're leaving the scenario and getting some peace. What you're doing is you're putting yourself into greater fires, greater difficulties. My father-in-law told me this a long time ago. He said, Lloyd, he said, if you viewed your life like stepping stones in the walk with Jesus, there's a progression that God's laid out for your life. And he said, Lloyd, each step, you take one step, and then the Lord's doing the thing that he's doing in this step. Then you take another step, and he's doing this that he's doing. And you take another one, and he said, Lloyd, you're going to find out this, that when you think that you're going to jump a step, he will bring you right back to where you were. He loves you. He is molding you. He is working in you. But the enemy is looking for you to give up, to quit. It's time for you to dig deep. I'm going to invite the worship team. It's time for you to dig deep. Let me give you a few things, practical advice to dealing with weariness. First of all, you need to let patience have its perfect work. As we read earlier, James 1, 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The word patience literally means endurance or constancy. Consistency. You know, it amazes me that people can run marathons. I, I heard a guy, he say, you know, it was Jim Gaffigan. He said, you know, I ran the New York Marathon. And he goes, I ran it. And everybody's like, he goes, well, I thought about running it. <laughs> Years ago when I started working out and, and somewhere down the road, I got off that track. <laughs> Hallelujah. I would run, and I remember running, like the first, when I first started running, it was so hard. And I would, I would actually start running on the streets, and I decided I'd see a telephone pole, and I would say, okay, I'm going to run. I'm not going to stop until I get to that telephone pole. And I would run and try to run as hard as I could, and I'd get that telephone pole, and then I'd kind of walk, and then I'm like, okay, I've got another telephone pole. And so I did this for several weeks till it got to a point where it wasn't just from telephone to telephone pole, it was from beginning to end. And then I found out, I realized that after so long of doing that, I, I just, I, I remember the day. It was just amazing to me because I was like running and I realized I'm not getting tired. How did I get there? I went through the pain to get to the place of endurance. The Bible says that joy, trials come and it produces joy because that, that trial is producing an endurance in your life. We don't know what tomorrow holds, and here is the truth. Tomorrow usually isn't as bad as it seems. And you can try to do whatever you can to get out of the will of God, but God loves you so much. He's trying to enact in your life to growing up and to doing the things that God called you to do. My grandson's a handful. Anybody's grandchildren a handful? He is stubborn and hard-headed just like his grand, grandfather. <clears throat> And, you know, he has moments where it's like, yeah, I don't want to do that. And, and I watch Amber taking care of him. And, and, I, and I thought, you know, it was beautiful yesterday because he was throwing one of those uh, Lloyd Thurman fits, you know. And, uh, and Amber picked him up and says, no, you're not going to do that. And I was thinking, you know, she could have very easily just been like, quit it, you know, and blowed up. But she just calmly told him, no. Now, I don't know that Amber's perfect and always does that. <laughs> but... It just, it blessed me to see my daughter doing that with him. 
And then I think, I know that over time that boy's going to learn. But I'll tell you who else is learning in that process is Amber, Ethan. So when they have those other seven kids, Fill that quiver, Lord. Fill it. You cannot run from difficulties that God allows to shape us. Secondly, a practical advice in dealing with weariness is you cannot make a decision based in emotion. The Bible says David was distressed. How many times have you made decisions that were based on an emotional moment only later on to say, I wished I had not done that? Thirdly, you need to remember who you serve. Anybody know you're serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Finally, don't quit. Don't quit the fight. Dig deep. You say, Pastor Thurman, I'm tired. I'm tired of COVID. Anybody tired of COVID? I've done more funerals in the last year and a half here than I did all the years that I was at my previous church. I'm tired of COVID. I'm tired of finding out week to week people have COVID or somebody's passed away from COVID. I believe that virus is from the pits of hell. But I can't get to a position in a place where I believe by quitting it will be better because you can turn the news off. You can turn the news off. You can shut yourself in a room, but it doesn't change the reality of life. You just may not be aware of what's really going on. I want to close with this. I want to read this story to you that I read. I thought it was very powerful. <clears throat> it says, late on the night of December 23rd, Sergeant John Bannister of the 14th Cavalry Group found himself meandering through the village of Provido, south of Vielsum. He had been separated from his unit during the wild retreat of the first days and joined up with the Task Force Jones, <clears throat> defending the southern side of the fortified goose egg. Now they were in retreat again. The Germans were closing in on the village from three sides. American vehicles were pulling out and Bannister was once again separated from his new unit with no ride out. <clears throat> a tank destroyer rolled by, somebody waved him aboard and Bannister eagerly climbed on. They roared out of the burning town. Somebody told Bannister that he was riding with Lieutenant Bill Rogers. Who is he? Bannister wanted to know. He's Will Rogers' son, came the answer. It was a great way to meet a celebrity. An hour later, they reached the main highway running from west from Bilsom. There they found a lone soldier digging a foxhole. Armed with a bazooka and a rifle, unshaven and filthy, he went about his business with a stoic nonchalance. They pulled up to him and stopped. He didn't seem to care about the refugees. If you're looking for a safe place, he said, just pull that vehicle behind me. I am the 82nd Airborne. This is as far as they're going. The men on the tank destroyer hesitated. After the constant retreats of the last week, they didn't have much fight left in them. But the paratroopers' determination was infectious. You heard the man, declared Rogers. Let's set up for business. 20 minutes later, two truckloads of GIs joined their little roadblock. And through the night, men trickled in and defenses grew stronger. I love this. Around that single paratrooper was formed the nucleus of a major strong point. It is incredible what can happen when one person draws a line in the sand. 
You need to hear the Holy Spirit. You've allowed the bully of Satan to shove you around long enough. You've allowed him to be a bully in your life where he's pushed you and you've seated ground. He's pushed you and you've seated ground. He's pressed you and you've backed up. You cannot shrink from the fire that God wants to place you in. The Bible says this, how can you run with, if you can't run with the footman, how can you run with the horseman? In the, in the days that we're in, you know, right now in Afghanistan, there are people losing their life. It's truth. Believers being killed. They're faced with the reality of any moment, any time, somebody could come bursting through the door and to kill them. I, I'm not experiencing that. I'm not shedding blood. I'm not at that position. And yet, we find ourselves that, that we kind of equate our problems to their problems. I've heard the term first world problems. Y'all know what I'm talking about? First world. I mean, thank God for air conditioning. Would you be here without air conditioning? Somewhere in your life, you're going to have to say, God, I'm, I'm done. I'm done being pushed around by the enemy. Live or die, I'm going to draw a line in the sand and I'm going to stay here. And I will not back up. And what you're going to find that when you do that, whoo, glory, you need to hear it. When you draw a line in the sand, when you dig a foxhole, you're going to find all the resources of heaven surrounding you. Right now, you don't even know it. You think that you're alone in this battle? <laughs> Hallelujah. The Bible says the Lord is the Lord of Sabaoth. He's the Lord of hosts. That means he's the king of angelic armies. Hallelujah. Brother Mallory said he saw angels fill into this house. I think it was Friday after we prayed. When we prayed here Friday night and anointed the building, he said, I seen angels begin to march into this house and sit in every seat. The angelic hosts of heaven are surrounding you today. You're not in the battle alone. You've got all the resources of heaven standing right with you. And here is the truth. Jesus has already overcome death. You'll never die. Hallelujah. You'll never die. You will live forever and ever and ever. Are you weary? Stand. Are you weary this morning? What's incredible about the story of David in the book of Samuel is that David did overtake the Amalekites. He did defeat them. And he got his stuff back. He got his family back. But what you don't know is <laughs> he also got the stuff that they had with them that they had been hoarding and raiding up. They took home more stuff than, they, than what they had before. You say, Pastor Thurman, I just want to get what I need back. No, God wants to bless you. He wants to give you more than what you had in the past. He wants more of his presence, more of his joy, more of his power than where you've ever been today. Hallelujah. If you'll begin to step forward, you don't have to be afraid of the armies that are surrounding you because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Greater are the angelic hosts that are surrounding us today and the battles we are facing than those that are surrounding us. You need to know where you are and you need to know who you are. Hallelujah. Lift your hands. Father, we bless your name. Lord, I pray that in these days that we do not grow weary, 
that we are in it to win it that we will press forward Lord in spite of pain in spite of difficulty in spite of pressure in spite of stress <laughs> hallelujah Lord we know that we win in the end hallelujah and Lord I will not quit but I will commit to pressing forward into what you have for me today Jesus but I just pray right now in Jesus name for those that are struggling with battles those that Lord your word is speaking to them that are weary and exhausted and Father and all these things in their life this morning I'm praying that the encouragement of the Holy Spirit would begin to blow into this house and into the lives of your people so we honor you Jesus we honor you in this room Lord and we thank you that you're standing with us in the fight in the battle today in Jesus name maybe you want prayer maybe you're struggling maybe you are in a battle you say Pastor Thurman my heart's weary I'm tired spiritually. I'm tired emotionally. I need a touch of God. I'm going to encourage you to come this morning as the worship team plays. Before we close this service out, you can come and gather in this front. And we'll gather around you. Our praying elders will gather around you. We will pray with you. We will believe with you this morning. So come as the worship team plays. You need a touch from God. Come this morning. gather around these that are up here this morning. Show us 
Lord, we thank you for your presence here this morning. Thank you, Lord, for strengthening the weary. Lord, we thank you that you're giving us grace to endure. And Lord, I pray over each one this morning, Father, as they're watching online and those here, Father, that you would strengthen our hearts with boldness and grace in this week ahead. Lord, to establish your work in our homes, in our workplace, in our schools. Lord, I pray that you would continue to give us wisdom and understanding in all that we put our hands to do, Father, it will prosper. Lord, I pray over each one here this morning, God, that you would continue to walk with us so we hear your voice clearly like never before. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're honored to have you here this morning. Join us again this coming Tuesday morning we're meeting for prayer at 8.30 in the morning and again on Thursday morning as well as our Wednesday evening service. The Lord's doing mighty things and we're glad that you're a part of it this morning. Love you guys. Bless you as you go out. Amen. today's episode. If you would like to learn more about Community Church, you can visit our website at ccorange.org or come follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash community orange. Thanks so much for listening today. We'll see you next time.